Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello! Welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Ann Stickney. I'm hosting today, because why not? Also with me is my co-host, and sometimes host in his own right, and that would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. Hey, everybody. How you doing? We're here to talk about everything in Blizzard Entertainment and stuff. And also, I want to know how you're doing. What have you been up to? Uh, I've been playing this cult here and just playing the heck out of it. I'm really enjoying... uh, It's weird, because I just got done talking about how I think leveling is kind of broken, and I do. Leveling is so broken. That is a subject we are definitely getting into later here. (laughs) But at the same time, I, I enjoy it. Like a lot of this, like the content itself is actually, I I went and did, um, Theramore on my cult just to see what it would be like. And you forget how much content they had like Alliance side. The, 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 there was so much content in, in the swamp. I'm sitting there going, I'm I'm still here. Like, I'm still doing stuff. There's more stuff to do than this. There's even more stuff to do than this. There were several quest hubs. Yeah. And each quest hub, like when you went to talk to the witch out in the woods, she had like a boatload of things for you to go do. Yeah. It's it's actually, I mean, there's a whole quest that is basically them trying to wrap up the, you know, Varian thing trying to put a bow on it, which also plays really strangely now that Anduin is king and Varian is dead. Uh, you go back and Jess Harris, like, yeah, you don't really want to talk about that. Uh, but I did a whole bunch of that stuff. I went and did, um, I did the Arathi, the Arathi Highlands. Again, a lot more content than I, I remembered was there. Uh, it's a little scattered, but it's, it's still there. And there's actually quite a lot to do. Uh, I went and did, I think right now I'm in Feralos again, lots of stuff to do. I went up and did Anderhall and it's, again, it's just like, yeah, there's a, there's a ton of stuff. It, there is. The thing that's really weird is you forget how good the game is. Ender Hall kind of makes me sad, though, because I remember how it used to be with Pamela's Doll and all of that. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot creepier back in vanilla. Like, people that are going to be playing WoW Classic, you definitely want to make time to do, like, the Plaguelands. Because 
it's creepy. It's just downright yeah. creepy. Both both the western and the eastern plague lands are super creepy. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with you there. That yeah. They deliberately tried for something a little less creepy and a little bit more like, oh, look, the world is getting better. So, the world's yeah, getting better, and yeah. here's a cohesive story and all that other stuff, which is fine, but I really liked that creep factor. That's why I love Drustvar so much is because it feels like they deliberately, you know, they went in and kind of added that creep factor back a little bit because yeah. Drustvar... Dressfar, that little girl. The little girl. I know the oh tea God. set. I got the tea set right. Um, the one that you get from the Order of the Embers, mm-hmm. from the Paragon boxes. Apparently, that tea set has a chance to randomly spawn her. Eey, okay, singing. I, don't want I haven't had it happen yet. I heard somebody talking about it, and I'm like, wait, what? This is the first I've heard of that. I haven't seen it yet. haven't experienced it yet, but now I'm interested. So, yeah, that's one of those toys where I'm like, ooh, I'm still trying to get my hands on the Proudmoore toy, the music box. I haven't gotten that yet. I haven't gotten any toys from any of the boxes, but, you know. It's that one is the life. only toy I'm missing. The Proudmoore Al- Admiral, that's the only toy I'm missing from the Paragon boxes. I'm really kind of annoyed about this, um, but it's okay. I'll get it eventually. I always do. Anyway. We got news to talk about, so maybe we should talk about that, yeah? Sure, although you just sounded like a bounty hunter after these four toys. I like, get it. I always get it. I always, I always like get it. Javert over here for the toys. <laughs> no, we are not busting into Les Mis. Okay, so uh, on the news this week, there was a Q&A last week. Uh, developer Q&A and some interesting stuff came up for people who are fans of Transmog which guess what we both are so let's just talk about this what's up with Transmog Rossi I'm real excited I was I was amazed to see this little exchange just kind of come up and nobody said anything like it was just boom there uh they were talking about Transmog and they were talking about how you know it's been out for eight years which immediately I felt like I'd crawled out of a grave, like, you know, Oh God, eight years. It has been eight years. And one thing that, that Ian made the point of is that they like to start stuff off conservatively and then go from there. But it's been all this time. It's been eight years and there's a lot of stuff people want to do. That's really cool. And they're looking into ways to let people do that. And so they started talking about the various fish maces and other, like the rolling, there's a, a item that drops in dead mines. If you do original dead mines, which is itself the cat revamp, but if you do dead mines that run level 20, you can get a, a rolling pin mace. The mace is a rolling pin. Cookies tenderizer. Making, yeah. If you get that, you can't transmog to it. And they're like, uh, you know, this is a restriction that we don't think is useful. So we're think we're looking into ways to, to like remove restrictions like that, to let people have more freedom. And then they basically just came out and said that they're going to allow you to turn off chest armor. Uh, I'm like, what? Because I play Draenei. If you play a Lightforged Draenei or a, a, a Demon Hunter of any stripe or, you know, the, the arcane tattoos on the Nightborn or what have you. Zandalari have all sorts of cool chest stuff. Um, the Maghar Orcs have chest tattoos. The Dark Iron. Yeah, Dark Iron have stuff going on. Right now, you you're, there's nothing you can do to display it. You can't show that stuff off because your chest armor hides it. And... When they said we're going to turn that off, I was like, "Oh, that's that's amazing! My, that's a big transmog jump. I can't imagine them doing anything bigger than that." And then on the forums, Kyvox, you know, dropped a little. Actually, we're going to let you turn off everything except pants. And I was like, "What? Everything?" No spam about pantless on Azeroth, but yeah. Otherwise, can... I mean, if 
you, the transmog I have on right now on the character that we're streaming, if you're not, you can't see that if you're not watching it, so don't worry about it. But I have big clunky gloves on. I have big clunky gloves on because they hide the bracers. I'm hiding the bracers because I cannot find a set of bracers I like for this transmog. And that's. Do you know what I wear on my leather? On my leather wearing rogue? I have. No. I think they are the pirate sinkers gloves. They are these tiny, tiny little fingerless gloves that basically look like a scrap of fabric around my character's hand and her fingers poke through. And then I have, I forget what the braces are, but they're these tiny narrow band that sort of matches. So it just looks like I'm wearing a pair of simple fingerless gloves because I don't like the glove models. (laughs) They're so big. (laughs) And that's the thing. Like, if you like what you've got, that's great. But imagine being able to like select any piece and just not wear it like shoulder armor, chest armor, gloves, boots, whatever you can. This is really, it's not, obviously some people are just going to turn everything off and be and try and like, look at me, I'm, you know, I'm naked. But the real freedom of it is that it will let you basically customize a look. Do you want to show off those tattoos? Do you want to cool, know what excites me? Go, go for it. But. I will be able to run around in a shirt with just yeah. the shirt visible. Because the shirt is under your chest armor. Yeah, and there that's, are that's... some cool shirts in this game, you guys, but you can never see them because they're always under things. Well, so... it's like that one shirt. Isn't there a, like a, a, a shirt with like long sleeves and like a kind of like tied together, like open collar neck that looks kind of piratey? There's, I there's this several of those. There's like, um, well, there's a pirate one. There's a red and a white variant. Um, and then there's a dark variant, too, that's like a crop top type thing on girls, on guys. It's like an open necked shirt that has like lace up on it. And then there's also Dalaran, the tailor in Dalaran has a bunch of different shirts that have really cool embroidered patterns on them and stuff that you can't really see because it's always under a chest piece, right? Yeah. This yeah. kind of opens it up so that you can actually use those things and appreciate their models and match them to other stuff. And I'm just really excited because I'm like, oh, suddenly my wardrobe got so much better. So, yeah, I can't wait for them to implement this. I don't know when they're going to implement it. I'm hoping 8.2, but it could be a while. Who knows? Because they got to make yeah. switches and stuff. I don't know what the coding for that is like. I'm not a programmer. I just... <laughs> I just remember when I rolled my light forge, the thing you do when you do the light forge starting quest, you do like the, to unlock them, you meet a guy named Tapartos and Tapartos is basically wandering around shirtless. <laughs> I yeah, love he's wandering him. around shirtless, punching things. And he's my big, dumb light wielding son. <laughs> yeah. When, when you meet him, like the first thing you think is, wow, he looks really cool. Cause you can see his light forge tattoos everywhere. And then immediately you, you create your light forge and you can't show off your light forge tattoos. I actually leveled my Lightforge without a chest armor piece. I, I seriously called it the Fox Van Allen look. Um, which way, kudos to Fox for pioneering <gasps> this this chestless world. Fox is going to um, be so excited if he come. Fox, you have to come back now because now your priest can just be shirtless all the time. <laughs> yeah, and it's like seriously, I, I was leveling with like without chest armor on, and it was like obviously it makes it a little harder, which didn't bother me because I could I could have the look, but now I'll have the look without having to do that. And that's great. Um, I think when they started putting in neat stuff like chest tattoos, like, I'm sorry, I don't know why you'd want to level a Maghar and not show that stuff off. They have some crazy skin tattoos. Like imagine like putting in all those, like those fell tattoos for demon hunters and then hiding them. 
It's like, that's so weird. Why are you doing that? And they kind of so. did that thing in Legion where leather chess pieces on Demon Hunters, sometimes they have a different model from what yeah, you're used barely to. there. Specifically so that they can show off the tattoos. But this is a way easier solution. Yeah. And By I the way, I would like those all. alternate leather appearances for my regular rogue since we're going to be able to allow, you know, I'm just saying... Maybe yeah. we should just release those as alternate models. Put them in. Oh, see, here's an idea. Put them in the trial of style. I would eat those up, please. Yeah, and I would, that be would be so like... gung ho about doing the. Tri- I would do it like twenty four to get all of the tokens. But yeah, that I want that. Please, Blizzard. Thank you. Yeah, okay. there, sorry. There's... This was overall, it was a really good announcement. Um, it, whether or not you care about transmog, if you don't care about transmog, just ignore it. It doesn't affect you. But if you do, this is going to give you a lot of options. Just the, the only... idea that they understand, you know, some stuff. They've been worried that people will look silly, but it really just prevents people from having creation, creative control of the characters. And quite frankly, I, I'm okay with them keeping pants exempt from this because I know you people. You would you run, around to run around. Yeah, you don't need to run around in your undies. It's okay. There are plenty of options out there. <laughs> there are short shorts. There are booty shorts and thongs for almost every race and there's every a, armor class out a, there. <laughs> there's a plate set of legs I could put on right now if I wanted to that don't hide anything. They Is are it basically the hot just ones. I have the hot no, pink they're blue. Ones. Oh, okay. I was gonna say I have a pair of hot pink ones. It's just it's like a glorified thong. Anyway, um. Yeah, the only thing, the only concern that I have, and I pointed that out to them on Twitter and asked very politely, I even said pretty please, was um, could we maybe relax the whole weapon restriction because I would love to be able to transmog something besides a dagger on top of my daggers. Thank you. That's yeah, all. I, I, do, I do hope they're, they're keeping that in mind. Yeah. Because that's, that is something that I, I'd like to be able to use fist weapons again on my warrior because I can't. But if I could tank with one, you know, why not? You sure, you won't let me. And some people actually, one person brought up, they want to be able to do two-handers to one-handers because they want to look like their classic Fury Warrior. I mean, if you're playing in classic, Fury Warriors couldn't Titan's grip. They didn't have it yet. It didn't exist. Every Fury Warrior used one-handed weapons, and they want to be able to make that look again. If you if you can't actually do the, the single-minded Fury in the game anymore, let us look like it. And I agree. Let 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 two-handers go to one-handers. If somebody can use both, let them, let them do what they want. Let's skip forward here a little bit. I know we've got like a list of news items, but um, since we're talking about the Q&A anyway, I want to kind of jump forward here and talk about one of the other things that was brought up. And I mean, we mentioned it when we were doing the intro to leveling in World of Warcraft and what's going on with leveling in World of Warcraft and the problems with leveling. Um, You did an article where you were talking about getting potentially getting a level squish in WoW. You want to talk about that? Well, I mean, it's one of the things that Ian mentioned is that they're aware that leveling is broken. Um, they tried making things scale to help with it, and it does help. Um, it absolutely does help. But leveling is broken. It doesn't. The real problem is quite simple. You get a level, you barely notice it. You you don't feel powerful, um, and it gets really it gets worse the higher level you are. Like when when we were leveling in in uh, BFA content, you were leveling on Zandalar or Kultiris. You going from like one twelve to one thirteen, if anything, it's a mild annoyance. You don't feel like, yay, I got a level. You feel like, huh, eh, I'm a little weaker now. And then when you hit one sixteen, if if you were leveling with Legion legendaries and you hit level one sixteen and sudden, they stopped you f- working. You feel like tissue paper. It, it goes from being cool yeah. to 
can I kill things now? I don't know now. It, it depended on whether or not you, which ones you were using to a certain degree. Like I was using ones that gave me three heroic. I basically had multiple heroic leaps in a row. Yeah. Which didn't make me stronger, but I God, you said when you go from being able to do like three heroic leaps in, fa- in rapid succession to nope, that doesn't work anymore. It's like oh okay, I guess I got to turn I got to you know, turn those off. I got to switch those to something else. Tiber in the chat channel. Good, but... Tiber in the chat channel actually has an interesting point. He says, "Well, when the mobs all level with you, what do you get besides a number?" And yeah, that's exactly. a fair point. That that's there too. That is a problem. Although. To be fair, mobs themselves are not hard to kill. Um, that is absolutely not a problem leveling up. At least it hasn't been in my experience. Um, but it, it definitely is something that they, they've talked about internally. One of the things Ian said was that they've talked seriously about doing a level squish. About basically taking everything so that instead of... It would basically scale from... like Instead of right now when we get up to 120, you'd get, you'd, you'd get up to 60 again. 60 would be max level. And... You by compressing everything down, you could make it so that you got something every level, like you got a talent, or you got a new ability or a new rank of an ability. And I do think that there's that's a discussion worth having. I think there's a lot of people would have a lot of problems with it, and and I do think that they need to think really carefully before they do it, because even though it doesn't it doesn't actually matter if if you're level sixty or one twenty, if they scale everything the right way, it wouldn't matter. You wouldn't actually notice. You'd notice intellectually, you'd look up and see that that number is half as big. Um, and we, we've noticed this before. Um, every time they've done an item squish, even if, you know, oh, sure, I'm still doing enough damage to kill everything. You do notice, oh, he was doing 5 million damage before. Now I'm doing like 5,000. It is. A, and I think it would be much bigger for leveling because that classic, giant, big, huge, long number that was flashing up every time something ticked on the Lich King is now a much smaller number. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that because it was typically my poisons were ticking for over a million damage per tick. Yeah. Last expansion when I was going to farm Ice Crown Citadel. And uh, yeah, it doesn't do it that way now. <laughs> it's a much smaller number. And as much as that's something noticeable, I think you'd notice a much quicker if you were just suddenly not the same level. I think there'd be an that's something that a lot of players wouldn't like. When I did the article, a lot of people responded that they absolutely hated the idea. Um, and I had, I had not expected that because it doesn't really bother me because it's like, you know, sure, it, effectively it would just be two, like one level for every two that you have. Uh, it would just, but they made the point, you know, classic originally scaled up to 60. Would it now, you'd hit level 30 and you'd be running Molten Core? Because it kind of, it feels like it dethrones the primacy of those raids. People feel would feel weird about it. It turns them into the dungeons you were running at the time. And you then like, Every 10-level expansion would suddenly become a 5-level expansion. The 5-level expansions would turn into 2.5-level expansions. That's kind of weird. Um, you'd end up with a lot of stuff piling up on top of itself. Like, you know, you, you basically... Your level 70 content is now level 35 content. Your level 80 content is now level 40 content. You you just feel like you're, you know, all this stuff is happening really fast. I, I'm not sure that's necessarily a problem, but I do think it needs to be thought about. I don't know. What do you think about it? I think I think that what's really fascinating to me about this conversation that they're having about it is that I can almost guarantee you that when World of Warcraft first came out in, what was it, 2004? Three or yeah, four? it actually launched in 2004. Yep. 2004. This was not an issue they ever thought they would ever have to deal with. 
I can almost guarantee you, nowhere well, no, in no, anybody's mind's eye did they think, are we adding levels too quickly? Are we adding too much? Is that number going to get too big over time? This this is all. This game has had such a degree of long uh, of of length. Just the sheer length that it has been around is kind of astonishing when you look at it. Because most MMOs, they don't last this long. So when you set some kind of precedent where it's like, yeah, you get 10 levels per expansion or whatever, people start to expect that. And then when you get to the point where we're as far in the game as we are and we're up at the 120 level, all of a sudden those previous levels, number one, there's like a twofold problem here, right? You want to make sure that levels are impactful and they feel impactful and that when you ding and you get that little golden flare and your little number goes up, that it feels like it meant something. But at the same time, for players, for new players that are just getting into the game, if they look at things and go, oh gosh, I'm going to have to grind out 120 levels to get to the end game. That looks like a really kind of intimidating number. And it's not, really, because they've done what they can to kind of lessen the length of that process and make it easier. But by doing that, they've devalued what it means to level to begin with. So there's there's a balance here that they need to strike. And I don't know if a level squish is the way to do it or not, but I feel like they have to do something, you know? I think the longer they go without coming up with an alternative option that actually works, the the more likely a level switch becomes. Like that, I straight up think, yeah, they will do one eventually. The, That's the, the problem is just going to get bigger. So I, I'm, I don't know what the solution is. I don't. I don't have any magic ideas or a magic wand to wave for a solution to all of this. But I am really glad to hear that they are looking at it because it's something that's been an issue for a while now. I mean, you were there when we did the whole leveling stream without any heirlooms Mm -hmm. or anything. And even without the heirlooms, we were flying through zones so fast we didn't finish the stories before we moved on. Playing once a week for like three to four hours. I don't think three hours, maybe. Yeah. Once a week for like three hours, we got to max level in Legion within six, seven months. Easily. It didn't, it didn't take us that long. It didn't take us that long. And if we had been playing, you know, three times a week or whatever, it would have, it would have been over within like a couple of months. (laughs) Yeah. It, It was just, it's, it's a really fast leveling process. So and that's without heirlooms. Like we were deliberately not using any heirlooms whatsoever, anything that would boost the XP gain that we got. So Yeah, it was straight just straight up the five of us Yahoos running around doing whatever we felt like. And keep in mind this was in a pre scaling environment. We were yeah. just before they put that in. Yeah. So we were we were having to leave zones to go to new zones to get XP. Nowadays, you start a zone, you can sit in that zone for ten levels, twenty levels. Which we like, I honestly yeah, you absolutely could have done, but we would have been getting diminishing returns on it. We would have got less experience. Now, you can just sit in a zone till you have done everything. Yep. And you will get experience from the beginning to the end. As soon as you start in that zone, like, you can go back to, like, you if you decided you want to, like, you're, say you're playing Horde right now, and you're mm-hmm. like, I've never seen Silver Pine. I'm level 40, though, but so I, it's not worth doing. It's absolutely worth doing. Now you can you go, can back go get experience for it, yeah. Everything scales to you, which is great on the one hand, because it allows you to choose where you want to level. And it also opens up the opportunity for you to experience stories that maybe you didn't experience, but you want to go see what's up with them. 
but you still want to feel like you're getting some value out of that experience. Because I know when Cataclysm came out, I was, you know, encouraging people. Cataclysm introduced a whole lot of really cool zone storylines all over the place. And not everybody went back and played through those zones because, you know, people were interested in checking out the max level content. They wanted to do rating. They didn't want to level an alt. They didn't want to level through all the new zones. I mean, the new zones were pretty, and yeah, sure, you could fly through them, but leveling a character through all that new content that was kind of like a time investment the thing is is like what i would recommend that people did at that point in time was take your max level character out there and just blow through it why not just to experience the story and right now as it stands you can go to any of those zones pretty much and get a useful worthwhile experience out of it no matter what level you happen to be Unless, of course, you're max level, in which case, well, it doesn't matter. But go do it at max level. Why not? You know? Yeah, but if you're if you're playing a character, like you start one of the allied races and you're like, where do I go? The answer is any place that's level 20 and up. And as you level, every place will still have a level 60 cap and you will be able to go to any of it. And it, it is, there's a lot of good stuff here, but I do get the point about it feeling devalued. And I do think that's something they need to look at. Yeah. And again, like I said, I don't think this is ever a problem that they thought they were going to have. So it's kind of cool that they're addressing it now, even if they it's didn't even think taking a long remember, look at it. <laughs> do you remember that thing they used to talk about how like Illidan will be like a level 70 or 80 character? They said that like it was never going to happen. Yeah. Arthas, we don't even know what power level Arthas would be. Turned out he was level 80, guys. Uh, <laughs> the future the future is not something you, you can worry about it, but they, they had the present to deal with. Nobody thought this game was going to be this big or last this long, you know? So, yeah, it is, it's a nice problem to have, I guess, as opposed to, like, the City of Heroes problem of, well, we're not here anymore. And I loved City of Heroes. That's not a dig at it. It's just, you know, a lot of these games don't last I loved City of Heroes. I'm also kind of upset that Wildstar is gone because I thought Wildstar yeah. was kind of innovative too. But thing I is, never got is to like... play Wildstar, but I really thought it looked good. Like it, a lot of the stuff looked. Fun. It did. There, there were elements of it that I really liked, and then there were elements of it that I could do without. But I mean, it was a very visually appealing game, and I really liked what they were doing with the story because it was like Wild West slash space aliens, and yeah, it just like hit in the right genre spot for me i'm like yeah we need a game like this um plus i mean the housing system come on (laughs) anyway uh we're gonna go ahead and move on though we're going to talk about the philadelphia fusion because hello overwatch league we're finally getting an esports arena in north america the philadelphia fusion are going to build their own arena the fusion arena it's going to be $50 million. It'll seat 3,500 people, and it's going to be built in South Philadelphia this summer. In theory, the whole thing should be finished and usable by 2021, and it's the first ever stadium that's dedicated to esports in North America, modeled after those that are already found in Asia. I, I don't know how I feel about this. I have one really strong feeling about this. Okay. Comcast is not a company that spends money lightly. No, if and Comcast, I, yeah, this, I should point yeah. out, Comcast, all of the money is coming from Comcast because they own the Philadelphia Fusion. Sorry. Go if ahead. If Comcast is willing to spend the money to build this thing, it's because they think they will get a return on their investment. And that, to me, says that there's stuff about the esports in this country that we are not considering. Yeah. That, and you know, keep people, in mind. People talk about the Overwatch League a lot, but they don't really, I think that we're missing something. 
that, yeah. that Comcast thinks they're willing to, to put that money out there. And, and keep in mind that when the area isn't be, being used for fusion games, they'll host other live events in it. So it's possible that we'll see other esports tournaments and things like that actually be hosted in Philadelphia, which would be pretty cool. Um, it's not going to make it obviously into this this season of Overwatch because of Overwatch League because we're already mid season and they still have yet to build the thing. It probably won't be done next season either. Um, I would think not. No, no, because no. it's going to be summer. It's two they, years. They're, they're looking twenty twenty one. So, but at at the same time, you know, by the fourth season, it should be open and available for business. Right now, all of the games are being played in LA. So this is kind of a dynamic shift, and that means that the players, I mean, if Philadelphia wants to host a home game, they'll be hosting it in Philadelphia, and whoever's playing them will fly to Philadelphia. And suddenly you've got home team advantage in play, which isn't really something, I mean, obviously people at the Overwatch arena there in LA, they have teams that they root for. Everybody's got teams that they root for, but there's not really what you would call a home field field advantage thing going on where you're playing in the home city or whatever. No, because it's effectively everybody's home city because nobody has anywhere else they can go. Right. So yeah, um, this, this does definitely change that dynamic. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, next season they're kind of switching it up anyway because teams aren't all going to be based in LA as of next year. It's just not everybody has like their own crafted arena or whatever. So this is the first arena arena and I'm kind of excited. I'm excited to see what it looks like when they're done with it. Um, I think it's kind of cool that they are kind of designing it and modeling it after esports arenas and things that are already found in Asia. I think it's cool that they're bringing that kind of thing over here. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever watched, like, you know, the big tournaments from Asia online before or, or seen few, any of those I've broadcasts. I've watched a few. Like, I, I remember when StarCraft 2, StarCraft was really big. I watched a few of those. StarCraft arenas were crazy, crazy. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with the Fusion Arena. I'm looking forward to the whole idea of home field advantage becoming a thing in games like this and seeing how that progresses. But yeah, it's really kind of telling that Comcast is like, yeah, sure, we'll go ahead and dump a lot of money into this. Why not? That shows that they've got confidence. They've got confidence in the Overwatch League. They've got confidence in the Philadelphia Fusion. And they've got confidence in esports in general, which wasn't necessarily a thing not even five years ago. You know what I mean? Certainly not to this level, at least not in you know North America. Um, I mean, just the fact that they're broadcasting the the thing on ABC now, it's like... It's on network TV. It's yeah, on. It, it's just. It's on network TV, guys. <laughs> I mean, as much as network TV has declined over the past couple of decades, mm-hmm. it still is. A, it's. 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 I don't know exact word for it, but it's a style setting thing. It tells you when something has gone mainstream. When it's actually on network television, that means that it doesn't feel. It's not a niche anymore. You don't have to seek it out. It's being brought to you. There's a level of that. This is in all of this stuff. I, we still have to see what happens. Maybe no one else will build any more arenas. Maybe it's a doomed experiment, but it is an experiment and it's not one we've had previously in, in North Well, America. I know there's one being worked on in Canada right now. So there you go. Yeah. I didn't I know mean, that and I'm Canadian. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's, there's a big one that's being built up in Canada right now. So it's not, I mean, esports arena are becoming like a thing now 
esports is just becoming a bigger thing. Slowpoke pointed out in the chat channel, ESPN, they have a whole esports division now where they didn't have one before. Do you remember that one? The first yeah. time that they broadcast Heroes of the Storm and Twitter was just full of people going, what is this? <laughs> I remember because one guy who actually worked for ESPN made a crack about esports not being, he's like, why is this here? Why am I watching yeah. this? Yeah. And then like I, the internet descended on him with, with ham uh, memes until he you know silenced himself. Went I just, ham on the core. Yeah. I just, I remember that when, then that first was like someone said that on a stream and it became just this like wave of memes. Yeah. That of, took like, off. Yeah. That yeah. took off like, crazy so, yeah. but that so yeah we've we, got that to look forward to that was like 2014 guys in 2014 no one had any idea what the heck we were talking about so this stuff is evolving and i do think i do think this is an important step the fact that comcast is willing to do this says something i think that overwatch and the introduction of the overwatch league is really that's like a strong step towards i mean i'm not going to say that overwatch league is the first esports anything obviously there have been other games out there i mean so many different tournaments and things out there. I think that for whatever reason, Overwatch League just gave it a kick in the right direction and the momentum is just building now. So yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Anyway, moving on. WoW Classic. WoW Classic is a recreation of Vanilla WoW. It is going to be absent of most of the things that we take for advantage or take for granted rather in the game that we're playing today. However, they did announce this week that one of the things from Modern WoW that is going to be making an appearance in WoW Classic is loot trading. Uh, loot trading wasn't actually introduced until Wrath of the Lich King. And when it was introduced, basically what happened was if you got a piece of soulbound gear, you had a two-hour window in which you could trade it with anybody in your party or your raid. And that kind of helped guarantee that people wouldn't get the wrong loot or if people did get the wrong loot they were able to rectify the situation themselves um i know you raided back in vanilla rossi i don't know how much you experienced this but with me it seemed like every other week we had our master looter they accidentally hit the wrong button and suddenly we had a warrior with a cloth robe that wasn't okay, meant gonna, for him i'm gonna tell a story of of oh dude this is not <laughs> this is not full rating this is this was um upper black rock spire but back then you that was a 15 man raid you brought 15 people in to do it because it was actually considered hard at the time uh molten core and anixia were the only real raids out at the time we were doing this so we were running people through upper black rock spire and we got to the ren blackhand fight and we killed him and the legend not the legendary the uh the epic dagger dropped heart seeker and, you know, we were actually, this was a Dragon Points raid at the time. That's how important it was. There was stuff in here, like tier and so forth, people really wanted. We were spending points on it. And a rogue bid on and won the dagger. And that was great. Except the Master Looter gave it to me. <gasps> oh, and no. I didn't, I didn't want it. And I assured him, I don't want to take this from you. But there was nothing we could do about it except file a ticket. And it took the GM like three days to get back to me because at the time, this was when World of Warcraft was exploding in popularity and no one had expected it. Like, you know, Blackrock, Black, Blackwing Lair wasn't even out yet. Uh, Dire Mall had, and Maradon had just opened. So we're trying to figure out like how to get this guy's dagger and there's nothing I could do. It sat in my bag for three days um, until the, the GM got back to me and was like, 
okay, um, I see that that was an error. Uh, I don't know that I can can give it to this person. And I was like, but it, it was his, he won it. Uh, and I had to like really, you know, go the extra mile here to talking to the guy. And he's like, look, I'll, I'll look at what I can do here. And what they ended up doing was simply giving him another one and telling me to delete the one I had. Like, don't disenchant it. Don't vendor it. Delete it. Oh, this was because, before they put all that in a play. Because yeah. there was, I mean, by the time I was doing Molten Core and we were doing AQ and we were doing, you know, uh, ZG and all that, it had gotten so commonplace that basically if something was master looted to the wrong person, you put in a ticket. Yeah, it would take a couple of days to get back. But when they did, what they would do is they would mail the intended recipient the item Mm-hmm. And they would and they delete would the it. item from your inventory. Like it would yeah. just disappear from your inventory. They didn't, they didn't even have that procedure in play yet when I, jeez, <laughs> oh, that in was fact, real I, early. <laughs> yeah. I think they probably developed it because of stories like this, because it came out fairly soon after, but that's the kind of thing that happened. Even the stuff you're talking about where they, they, you still had to file a ticket and wait two or three days before you get a dagger. And meanwhile, I had this rogue who was miserable because that dagger was incredible. That it dagger was, was the best dagger. That dagger was very oh. good up until like people in Molten Core weren't replacing that dagger until yeah. they got a couple of Corehound Toots. Yeah. It was very good. So that's the kind of thing that I, 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 pro- I think they're making a good decision here because loot trading is not something that's going to make the game feel that different, but it means they don't have to have like 20 GMs constantly working to try and fix these kind of issues because they're the going to happen. Thing. Yeah, that's the big thing. And that was why they introduced it in Wrath of the Lich King. It wasn't really a situation where it was like, here's this new convenience for you or anything. It was more like, this is a situation that we resolve by making sure the loot gets to the correct person. If we can give you guys the capability to correct that situation yourselves, that means that we have suddenly a whole pile of tickets that we no longer have to deal with. And when you've got a game as big as World of Warcraft and you have thousands and thousands and thousands of tickets being submitted for this, that, the other the more you can kind of filter that and let players handle things on their own, the better. Cause then yeah, you can absolutely. shift your focus to really important issues that might be, might take longer to correct, you know, or might be a little bit more difficult to correct um, instead of spending all day, just making sure people got the correct loot. Um, now they did say that when they are going to introduce, it, it's going to be introduced. It will be there for wild WoW classic. Um, however, it's only going to apply to raid groups it's not going to apply to five-man dungeons because there's a possibility with five-man dungeons that people could, you know, form a group of four players and kind of shut the fifth person out and make sure that they don't get any loot or whatever. And that kind of stinks. So they're limiting it. They're limiting it just to the raid system. And I'm fine with that. I think that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to see it get used to pe- make people, like, to feel pressured, you know, give us that thing that dropped for you or we're kicking you from the group. No. Or we're just not going to go. Because keep in mind, they're not going to be able to do a vote to kick anymore. No. But they're certainly capable of just dropping. Everyone could drop out of the group and leave you there in the middle of a place by yourself. Just so I'm glad you. they're not going to get Yeah. They, <laughs> I I had the experience a few times because, yeah. you know, there were, there were, I remember being one group that fell apart over the Father Flame encounter. Oh, where like half the, group, half the group wanted to do it. Half the group didn't want to do it. And the Nobody ones that ever wanted left. to do Father Flame, let's just well, face it. 
The ones who had priests did. I know. The priests were the <laughs> only people that wanted to do it. And I was cool with doing it because I'm like, yeah, let's get the priests some gear or whatever. And no, everybody else was like, I don't want to mess with it. And yeah, it was just, it was a thing. Anyway. I like the fact that they're doing this because it's not really, it's nothing that's going to affect gameplay. Yeah, it wasn't there originally in Classic, but the thing is, is it didn't affect gameplay or anything. It just made things kind of annoying and meant that you had to wait longer for an issue to be resolved. Anything that me keeps me from having sad rogues send me like, oh God, my dagger, I, I don't want it. I'll give it to you. I promise. I can just hand it over and we, we can be done. That's, yeah, I'm I'm down with that. <laughs> Is there anything else that you think should be added along these lines that should be made available in Classic that maybe isn't? I tried to think of other examples of things that maybe they could add, like conveniences that were added specifically to like reduce the number of tickets that they were getting and that kind of thing. Nothing right now. I can't I don't, think of anything instance, off the top of my head. I don't want Dungeon Finder. I don't no. want, like a lot of the stuff they added, I don't want. So I'm, I think I'm okay saying no. But, I mean, you never know. Maybe something will come up and I'll be like, oh, that thing. Yeah, that should be in. For now, though, I'd say no. Maybe like the I, current I, iteration of the report system. Maybe. But I think, you know, we'll see what they end up with because they are putting it, they are building it on this engine. Yeah. So we'll see so how much that stuff That might be in there by default anyway, just on the merits of building it on the current system, that the current uh, reporting system is just going to be there from the onset. Because that, I mean, the report, the way... The way it works reporting people right now is so much better than it ever was back yeah, in Classic. Yeah. So, yeah, if they keep that in, that would be great. Um, it also helps them kind of, you know, filter tickets and that kind of thing, which which I think is helpful. Anyway, uh, moving on. You know what? Maybe we should go ahead and get to some emails. Maybe. Okay. Why don't we go ahead and jump to some emails? If you guys have an email for the show... You can send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Make sure that you put Blizzard Watch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show and not the lore one. But you can ask us about any Blizzard games, any questions. We're cool. We'll answer whatever. Uh, our first email here, it looks like this is from 6000, who says, Was Gorak Tull actually trying to save the Kul Tiran from a life of servitude to Nazoth? He's very bombastic, but he also seems to be the only Kul Tiran, the Drust in general too, not tied up with the Tide Sages, who seem suspiciously close to a whispering ocean, and just happen to think tentacles are a good aesthetic. That's a good question. I would say no, because he was very upfront about wanting to kill all the Kul Tirans. Like, the Drusts it's debatable if the Colterans and the Drust had any sort of like, you know, inter-family relations. I I don't think they did. Uh, the Do you way think it's set that they up, wanted to kill the kill the Colterans because he knew that they were susceptible? No, I think they wanted to kill the Colterans because they were on his land. The guy straight up, I don't think there's anything It was really... pretty much just a straight up get off my lawn scenario. <laughs> well, if you look at the stuff you see, like the, the, the old Drust Highway, which is actually in Tiragard, it's not in... It's not in Drusvar. The Drust used to control the whole bloody place. The whole area was theirs. Um, and the Drust magic is very... It's interestingly... I, I'm going to say it again. I think the Drust are a Vrykul. I think they're like an offshoot of the Vrykul. I think they're effectively a group of, of Vrykul who are curse of flesh, but not all the way human yet. And I certainly do wonder if the Drust have a bloodline effect on the Kul Tirans, Because look at the Kul Tirans. They're huge. Um, so I do find myself wondering if the Drust are interbred more than we've been led to believe. 
But the way Gorak Tool seems to have approached it was very much, uh, I want to kill you because you're here. And I've killed everybody else who dared to land on this island, so I'm going to kill you too. He wasn't interested in talking. And and for all that, you know, the, the Colterians are pretty upfront. Like, we tried to talk to this guy. We, like, multiple times. We landed here. There was nobody here where we were. So, you know, after a while, we were, like, here for, like, a couple of decades. Suddenly, we noticed these guys. We tried to talk to them, and they tried to murder us. And I'm not saying the Drust didn't have reasons, you know, get off my lawn, as you pointed out. But I definitely don't feel like the Drust were like, ooh, old God's bad. Let's kill him. I think it was very much more along the lines of those guys got to die. Because the other thing is we don't know when the Kulturians adopted the Tide Sage religion. And for that matter, it was the more recently. Is, it was yeah. more recently. It wasn't when they originally arrived on Colteris or anything. Yeah, and also, Tide Sages themselves are very adamant about the old gods being bad. Like if it's it's the ones who succumb to. There's ones that succumb, but if you talk to Brother Pike, he's like, no, the ocean is both good and evil. The ocean is all things. There's there's parts of the ocean that we're afraid of that can destroy us. And there's parts of the ocean that give us, you know, succor and benefit. We, we are aware of this, that being a Tide Sage means balancing these elements. Uh, it's more, it's In a way, it's kind of like your average priest who has, you know, there's shadow priests and there's holy priests. A priest, you know, and then you have balanced priests who are like, you know, with discipline, yeah, disciplined priests who are like balance. They, they use both. That's kind of what the Tide Sages are. They just use the ocean as a metaphor. There's there's stuff in this that we like and stuff in this that we don't like, and we balance those elements. We 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 ask the ocean for help. We also ask the ocean not to destroy us. So I don't think the tides ages are simply as, as you know old gods are great, but I do think that because the ocean is where a lot of the old god stuff is, especially in the Zoth, you have to deal with it. It's he's there. You can't avoid him. You can't ignore him. Um, I have a weird question for you. That's kind okay. of related to this with the Tide Sages. Do you equate them with priests, like the priest class, or are they more like a shaman, but they only specialize in water? I equate them with the priest class, but the, you could make I a case leaning, for the shaman thing too. I keep leaning more towards the whole shaman thing, just because we've seen some evidence of Colterian shaman kind of kicking yeah. around, and that don't that seem to understand, do the... like they don't understand what shaman are or anything. But they do a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, no, I totally, you could definitely make that case. Yeah. In fact, you could definitely make a case for the Tide Sages having both priests and shaman in their ranks. Like Brother Pike strikes me very much as a priestly type. Um, but at the same time, there are Tide Sages who definitely are doing a lot of water stuff and evoking the water and calling forth. It even says, I can call forth lightning and thunder. Yeah. One guy says that. I mean, when you're saying that that's a shaman thing, lightning and thunder, that's definitely the shaman. So you could definitely make a case for either. Um, I think as an organization, they feel priestly in the way they're set up and the fact that they use the name priest. But I definitely, I definitely think you're right in that that case could be made for them being shaman or at least having a lot of shaman in the organization. One more question. Could you see that being added as some type of new class at some point? I don't think we need a new class. Where they're healing uh, I- slash caster? I don't. The thing is, we've got healing slash casters already. We we've got priests and we've got shaman. I feel like making a tide priest class that does with these, you know. Well, you it's remember much when the we were talking thing? about doing that whole subset class thing? I'm just wondering if this would fit into that arena. Could 
that would be kind of interesting if they allowed you to like, you know, you could, for lack of a better word, off spec into Tide Priest. And then if you were a priest and you did it, you'd get certain watery spells. Uh, and if you were a shaman and you did it, it would, it would basically, you know, instead of, imagine how, instead of having Flame Lash, you had like Water Burst. And it's the exact same spell, but it does water instead of fire. There's, there's room for stuff like that. I just don't, I don't know if we need a whole new class for it. I'm quite frankly, I feel like World of Warcraft has enough classes right now. I know people like them. And I know that they, if getting another expansion without them would feel weird to some people, but I feel like we're at 12 now. Um, I feel like we've got enough. I, I don't think, I think pretty much anything you want to do could be done by one class at this point. There's, there's a class that does it already. That's why I liked that whole idea that we came up with where, you know, you have allied races. They're like a subset of races. And then we were talking about like classes as an allied race type like, of situation yeah, like a, where it's like, like it unlocks... Like a few special abilities because you've specialized in that one thing. Yeah, like if you had a spellbreaker that was like, you know, the the, the blood elf spellbreakers and you you would have maybe more cosmetic stuff that's specific to the blood elf warriors or whatever. I don't know. Or mages could but choose definitely... to go into the whole aquamancy or whatever it is that the the nightborn do with the whole time shifting stuff, that kind yeah. of thing. There could be a lot of different stuff like that and I think that would be cool, but I definitely yeah. think that you don't at this point making tide sages a class mm. feels like it would be oh god where, where is this going to end you know okay next email is from i don't know if this one actually has a name attached to it this could be from baragorn or the next one could be from baragorn but um this one says hey folks just wondering in game who decided to place the portal room for orgrimmar by the front gate. If the Alliance ever lays siege to Orgrimmar again, or anyone for that matter, once they take the gate, they would now have easy access to several Horde locations or even just cut off a means of escape. It's just an odd placement for it, isn't it? Why not the Cleft of Shadows? I realize it's just gameplay, but it struck me as odd. I fully agree with that sentiment, actually. I thought that was a really... I assumed when they said that they were going to put in a portal room that it would be somewhere near where the old collection of portals were at and that was down in the cleft of shadow um and it is not and i don't know if it's just like a geography type thing like you know you have to have room for like an opening and and a space where you can put in a portal room or whatever on the map and that seemed like a logical place because it was the end of the hallway so it was easy enough to build an entrance and put like a room under the existing mountain like it fit in there geographically speaking um, I'm going to be upfront as I think that is the reason <laughs> I think they, they looked at the map and said, okay, if we, we have put to a room, rip out, <laughs> yeah, if we have to rip out the cleft of shadows and put a whole new bigger one in for all these portals, that's a lot of work. Let's just, let's just put it over here. There's nothing there. We yeah. can just put it underground and save ourselves some time. But also I do think it makes a little sense putting it there because Orgrimmar is strange in that if you want to get to certain places, um, like for instance, all the blimps and stuff are above that area. And if you're in the cleft of shadows, you have to come out of the cleft of shadows and then go up. Whereas if you want to go to the blimps, it depends on which blimp you want to go to. Like there's the blimps that are outside of Orgrimmar. And I felt like they were trying to go. This is relatively convenient for everything you're going to want in Orgrimmar. There's an auction house here. There's that place where the war chief hangs out is right here the bank There's, is right there yeah, the bank I, is right all there. of the commodities are right there by where yeah and, and not necessarily in the cleft of shadow because when you're in the cleft of shadow you're just down there with all the shady people yeah and i think to a certain degree 
Um, Orgrimmar suffers from the fact that its layout has never been even remotely centralized. No. Uh, and even when they revamped it, they didn't. I, and this isn't me dogging on Orgrimmar. I actually like Orgrimmar. I think it's an interesting looking city. And I like that it's actually built into the rock around it. It's not, it, it, it evolved. They, they didn't build a city. They built a city inside of natural formation. And I think that's pretty cool. But I think like Stormwind had a portal room already. It just wasn't very big. It had like one, there was like a, a one room that you teleported into and out of and had, you know, a couple portals in it. And that was it. And then they had other portals throughout the city. It they made got sense. a big tower. It's a big yeah. mage tower in the magic district. Like it has a defined location. Yeah. Orgrimmar never really had that. It. Yeah, Orgrimmar never really had that defined location because they weren't really initially when the horde came out. They weren't they really ne- caster heavy. No, and they didn't. And orcs don't even had didn't even have mages back then. No, they didn't get them till much later. So and Torin didn't. Yeah, and still don't do they. Did no. Torrin have mages now? No. Okay, I didn't think so. So it, I, I don't disagree with it that it's, it is kind of a weird place. And I almost would have liked it if they put it. One of the things I was thinking about for this is, sorry, I hit my mic with my hand there. That's my bad. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about was that it would have kind of made sense if, you know, that place where they have the cataclysm badge vendor on top of the, the same tower as where Sylvanas is. It's just up, it's up a level. Oh, above thought, the war chief's hold. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of thought they might put it there. Like, like put a set sense. of stairs going up. Yeah, because, I mean, that's pretty central. That's a nice central location for that, that opening part of Orgrimmar. And it would mean that it was up higher so you could get to, like, blimps and stuff faster. But they like didn't. Like a connecting they, bridge with the other yeah. upper levels. That might have worked. But they, I mean, they ended up putting it where they did, and it's, yeah. it works. I just, it does feel kind of... I mean, if you want to talk about it from, like, a logistics standpoint rather than just a gameplay standpoint, like when you're talking about logic it, logicking it into the game, as it were, everybody that's standing next to those portals, those casters that are standing right next to those portals, if somebody comes busting in, all they have to do is go through the portal and then close it from the other side, and we're good. <laughs> yeah, and, and they will have basically, they'll be in a good position to go, guys, um, guys, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. I just, I do think it's weird, but I also feel like Orgrimmar didn't really give them a ton of options that wouldn't have involved a lot of work. And they probably were like, "We want to make this quick. Want to make this." They, as they wanted as to make it as painless as possible, which is fine. Um, it just means that I don't have a lot of reason to go skulking around in the in the cleft of shadow anymore, which is kind of that was my rogue area. I got to you know slink around in the darkness and be mysterious or whatever roguing anyway uh i think we got time for one more email so let's go ahead and just go down to the next one on the list here this one might be from baragorn this one might not be from baragorn i'm not sure it's not very clear on the name layout here but it says hello i have this heart neck thing at 345 all my other gear is 360 or 370 recently a neck dropped with a higher item level so do i replace this neck thing that has no purpose no do not replace the heart neck thing. Um, yeah, I think, it, it gives you powers that you won't have otherwise. And I think that if you are stuck at 345 on the heart neck thing, you need to go through the portal and talk to Magni because he makes that higher as you gain reputation with... What is the reputation with Magni? Is it just... It's not Heart I of Azeroth. It's not called Heart of Azeroth, but it's like Champions of Azeroth or something. Champions of Azeroth or something like that. Um, 
you gain reputation with them by doing quests for like world quests for Magni and whatnot, and the higher your reputation. Champions of Azeroth, Slowpoke said in the chat channel. Okay, thank you for the confirmation on that. Anyway, um, you gain reputation, and as you gain reputation, he will bump that eye level up for you. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not sure how high it goes now, but it goes pretty high. So if you it's haven't yet, I can tell you that. If you haven't yet, make sure that you're gaining reputation with those guys, and also make sure that you go visit Magni. The way to visit Magni is go to your portal room, either in Zoldazar or in Colteris. In the portal room, there's a portal that goes directly to Silithus, and Magni's standing right there. Um, it's not entirely obvious that he will bump up the eye level of that thing. It was something I sort of stumbled on while I was leveling and went, oh, okay, I should come back and talk to him again later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's quests that he, you can do with him that will bump it up. And as yeah. you get reputation with them, he gives you the next quest in the chain. So, yeah. They just, they don't make it super blatantly obvious that this is a thing that you can go do or should go do as you level up. Nobody actually says, hey, would you like a boost to your necklace? You should go see Magni. It's just, you kind of stumble in there and go, oh, okay, you'll make things better. That's great. <laughs> like thanks magni okay um i think they could have made that a little more obvious i don't i don't know why they didn't make that a little more obvious it would be nice if the quest just popped up like when you got to the proper level of rec of rep with them the quest literally just popped up and told you you should go see magni you feel a thrumming in the heart of azeroth and you go and you turn it in and you get the next or magni just starts talking to you through the necklace and says hey you should come I'm see constantly me. aware of everything you do all the time. And by the way, come see me. And ah, that's God, not Maggie. weird at all. <laughs> I'm just watching through that thing yeah, on Maggie your neck. Watches, <laughs> yeah, Maggie watches everything I do. It's not a necklace. It's basically like, <laughs> it's a little GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie's got a direct line to it. You are, you are basically like when they, when they leave a GoPro on the cat to see what it's doing all day. Maggie has done that with you. If you're very good, then he'll hit a button and it'll pop a treat out of the thing. Hey, you're very good. You got an item level. You got an item level boost now. Come on back. No, I meant like, you know, he'll just pop like a little treat that you could eat. It's like those, those little cameras that you this have. Is, for the... This is rapidly turning into my thing about Odin using me as a battle pet in Legion. So, Anyway. I think that's going to wrap us up for emails, and that's also going to wrap us up for the show here. Again, if you have an email for the show, you can send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Be sure to put Blizzard Watch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Rossi, you got any last words of wisdom that you want to say to the crowd? Almost never. I don't think I do words of wisdom. Well, thank you for being co-host this week while I take the main chair. <laughs> thanks for doing and, it for me. And thanks, you guys, for listening. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we will see you again next week. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.